Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text brings us to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reah, the son of Shobal, fathered Jahath, and Jahath fathered Ahumai and Ulahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash, and the name of their sister was Hazelelponi. And Penuel fathered Gedor, and Azer fathered Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Ashur, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nera. Nera bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temeni, and Hahashtari. These were the sons of Nera, the sons of Hela, Zareth, Izhar, and Ethnan. Koz fathered Anub, Zobabah, and the clans of Arhahel, the sons of Harum. And Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Caleb, the brother of Shuha, fathered Mahir, who fathered Eshton. Eshton fathered beth Paseah, and Tehina, the father of Ir-Nahash. These are the men of Rekah. The sons of Kenaz, Othniel, and Sereah, and the sons of Othniel, Hathath and Maonathai. Maonathai fathered Ophrah, and Sereah fathered Joab, the father of Geherashim, so called because they were craftsmen. And the sons of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Eru, Ella, and Naim, and the, sons, the son of Ella, Kenaz, the sons of Jehulalel, Ziph, Zipha, Tereah, and Azarel. The sons of Ezra, Jether, Merid, Ephir, and Jalen. These are the sons of Bethia, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Merid married. And she conceived and bore Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. And his Judaite wife bore Jared, the father of Gedor, Haber, the father of Soko, and Jekithiel, the father of Zenoah. The sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Naham, were the fathers of Kela, the Garmite, and Eshtemoah, the Machathite. The sons of Shimon, Amnon, Rina, Ben-Hanan, and Tylan. The sons of Ishi, Zoheth, and Ben-Zoheth. The sons of Shelah, the son of Judah, Ur, the father of Lekah, Leda, the father of Merishah, and the clans of the house of linen workers at Beth-Ashbeah, and Joachim, the men of Kozibah, and Joash, and Seraph, who ruled in Moab and returned to Lehem. Now the records are ancient. These were the potters who were inhabitants of Natame and Gadera. They lived there in the king's service. The sons of Simeon, Nemuel, Jamin, Jerib, Zerah, Shaul. Shalom was his son, Mibsam his son, Mishma his son, the sons of Mishma, Hamuel his son, Zakur his son, Shimei his son. Shimei had sixteen sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many children, nor did all their clan multiply like the men of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Moladah, Hazar Shual, Bilha, Etzim, Tolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susim, Beth Biri, and Sharem. 
These were the cities until David reigned, and their villages were Etam, Ain, Raman, Token, and Ashen, five cities along with all their villages that were around these cities as far as Baal. These were their settlements, and they kept a genealogical record. Meshobab, Jamlech, Joshua the son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu the son of Joshibiah, the son of Sareah, son of Asael, Elioni, Jechabah, Jeshahiah, Asaiah, Adiel, Jesimael, Benaiah, Ziza, the son of Shiphi, son of Alan, son of Judea, son of Shimri, son of Shemaiah. These, mentioned by name, were princes in their clans, and their fathers' houses increased greatly. They journeyed to the entrance of Gador to the east side of the valley to seek pasture for their flocks, where they found rich, good pasture, and the land was very broad, quiet, and peaceful, for the former inhabitants there belonged to Ham. These, registered by name, came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and destroyed their tents, and the Munites, who were found there, and marked them for destruction to this day, and settled in their place, because there was pasture there for their flocks. And some of them, five hundred men of the Simeonites, went to Mount Seir, having as their leaders Pelatiah, Neriah, Rephaiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi. And they defeated the remnant of the Amalekites who had escaped, and they have lived there to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Believe it or not, today's genealogy is actually tougher than the days before, not just because there's actually a few more complicated names here, but also just the idea of of how straightforward the genealogies are. Judah and Simeon here were not given just a straightforward chronology of this guy had this son, this guy had that son. We get a little bit more of it, to be fair, with Simeon, but Judah's line is all over the place here, and and many times we're just picking up somewhere in Judah's family tree, getting a couple more of their sons, and then we just jump somewhere else on the family tree altogether, get a couple of sons there, and we jump again. Um, there's no consistent tracking through. In fairness, we've already done some of that in the last couple of chapters. So here we're just, again, scattered almost would be the best way to say it. As you go through with your kids, genealogies, another great uh, time to talk about who do you recognize, what names are familiar. Talk about those Old Testament stories that you already have some famili- familiarity with. There's a lot of names in here that show up nowhere else, though. Uh, so don't think that you'll be able to track down all these. There, we just many of these men have been lost to history, and that's okay. If, if hey, if there are brothers in Christ, we'll see them in paradise, and maybe we'll get to learn their stories and we can share with them ours. So, Judah is the fourth-born son of Jacob slash Israel, and Perez is one of his sons. Hezron is one of Perez's sons, but then Carmi is not Hezron's son. As we just go through that list, Carmi is the son of Perez's twin brother, Zerah. Her is then a grandson to Hezron, so I guess spacing there it's appropriate, but he's not from Carmi. And then Shobal is from her, so it already starts that way, a little scattered, important names being brought up. As we've talked about Perez being one of the twins born to Judah and Tamar with that whole affair that happened, and that Perez gets to be the twin who carries on the lineage of Jesus Christ. Her is the the descendant of Caleb who will hold up the the arms of Moses alongside of Aaron so that they continue to win the battle in the book of Exodus. A lot of the names as you move forward 
aren't going to be too familiar. You get to verse 4 and you've got her again. Firstborn of Ephrathah, so one of Caleb's wives that he had. And the father of Bethlehem. Now, is that the Bethlehem that becomes the city of Bethlehem? Uh, a lot of times cities in the ancient world were named after the people who founded them or were prominent in their cities. Actually, we still see that today, come to think of it. Smithville is probably going to be named after a person named Smith, for example. Uh, in Hebrew, the word for house is bayath, um, and in English that usually gets shortened to beth. So Bethlehem is the house of bread, as lechem is the Hebrew word for bread. But you'll see a lot of Beths. So 30, Bethuel, 31, Beth Markaboth, Beth Biri. That's why you're seeing Beth so often at the start of Hebrew towns, because it it means house, house of something. Bethlehem, of course, is probably one of the most famous names in this chapter because Christ is born in the city of Bethlehem. Again, not sure if this should be the same one or not. This is a person, nonetheless. Verse 9, I want to pick up on Jabez because we get a little more information about Jabez. He's not elsewhere in Scripture outside of these genealogies at the start of Chronicles. But his mother has called him Jabez because she bore him in pain. Oftentimes, the name of a child is reflective of something that the parents say or do For example, Leah in Genesis, as she gives birth to the sons of Jacob, she names the kids after what she wishes or or how she sees them. So Reuben uh, is the idea that Yahweh saw, uh, with son son being the end of his name, son that Yahweh saw, and then Simeon, uh, son that Yahweh heard uh, from Shema. And then Levi means to join, and she hoped that she would be joined with her husband because she gave him three sons and so forth. So you see that kind of a pattern. Here, the mother of Jabez calls him Jabez, although it doesn't really, it doesn't fit exactly. Usually it's a play on the word, and this is a play on the word for pain. The word for pain here is, in Hebrew, it's etzav, and you have to take the, Hebrew verbs have three consonants. If you take the second and the third consonant and you flip them with each other, reverse them, you get to Jabez's name. So it's close. It looks very similar, um, but she has a little bit of a different wordplay going on with what she has given him as a name. Jabez is then mentioned as having prayed to God that God would bless him, God would enlarge his border, his hand would be upon him, that would keep him from harm. We don't see this anywhere else, but we're told by the chronicler here that God granted that request, that prayer. That fits with what we know of Judah's tribe. And verse 27 as well, that the sons of Simeon did not multiply in their clan like the men of Judah did. And this is true if you look to the genealogies, if you look to, for example, the book of Numbers where they come out of the Exodus and how many men are in each tribe Judah, being the one that is blessed to be the line of Christ, is the largest. And that's the pattern that we see here uh, described by the chronicler as well. Verse 11, Caleb. So C-H in Hebrew is always going to make a a K sound because they, they just don't have a ch sound in their language. So Caleb, Caleb, could very well be Caleb, um, but a similar name nonetheless. This This man we don't know much about. Verse 13 does give us perhaps the name of one of the judges. 
Othniel, son of Kenaz. That would fit with the start of the book there. Um, so we have, I think, our first solid link after basically after Perez. The sons of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. This is an interesting one. Uh, there are some who believe that this is a different Caleb than Caleb, the son of Hezron, who is, again, a son of Judah. We've seen this, this pattern before. There, the idea there being one's the son of Hezron, one's the son of Jephunneh. It could be that Hezron and Jephunneh are the same man, two different names referring to him, like Jacob and Israel or Saul and Paul. It's not uncommon. That could be the case. Jephunneh, according to rabbinic literature, uh, is the same Hezron. This is the same Caleb, who we know as the famous spy who represented the tribe of Judah as they went to spy out the promised land in the time of the wilderness wanderings. Uh, They brought back, he and Joshua brought back a good report while everybody else brought back the poor report. Jephunneh in Hebrew comes from the verb to turn away or to repent is the idea here. So if that's the case, then it would be looking at Hezron as one who repented, one who turned away from the sins that he was seeing among his people, which would be a reference to a faithfulness then of that man as a father uh, of Caleb. So it could very well be that they are one and the same. Uh, Verse 17, that the man marries the daughter of Pharaoh. So Merid marries her. That could directly be a reference to Merid marrying a princess of Egypt, or it could be the idea that it's, it's simply a reference that, like you would say, the daughters of Egypt. So Pharaoh is the head of Egypt, so the daughters of Pharaoh could be a reference to just simply an Egyptian woman. That would be in contrast to verse 18 to his Judaite wife, so his wife from among the clan of Judah. So he marries an Egyptian, perhaps the princess of Egypt as well. Then at the end of the section on Judah, we're given this little section about some of the rulers of Moab at the time. So just a historical note brought up there, and that these men that were just more recently mentioned were potters that lived in the king's service. So the king having a royal potter. Some countries still today do that. I know that the leader of Japan has a royal potter to himself. So that's not uncommon. This could lead us, because again, just a dicey and difficult section to follow along with. It would be a good time to have this conversation with our kids. What do we do when we don't understand what we read in the Bible? That can take a few different directions. It could be we ask our parents questions. This is good. Uh, It could be we ask our pastor a question. And oftentimes, this is what your parents would do. So as the kid asks mom and dad a question, dad says, I don't know, but I I know someone I can check with. Let me get back to you. And so he checks with pastor. And pastor will probably end up saying the same thing. Uh, He might know the answer, in which case he tells you and you tell your child. Pastor might have to say, I don't know. I'll look into it. I'll get back to you. There are going to be times, however, where we simply don't know the answer. And so a lot of the men that we see in this chapter, again, just don't show up anywhere else. So we kind of work our way through something difficult like this. We give thanks to the Lord that this is here, that he gave us this. This is his word. These men really lived. And again, we might see some of them in paradise. We get to hear about them a little bit now, but a lot of mystery will remain. And that's the case, again, when we don't understand things elsewhere in Scripture, too, that we learn what we can This is good. We thank the Lord for it. And sometimes there will be mysteries that we just have to let stand. 
Other times we can find answers and we can find people who can help us find answers. But we have to let mysteries remain mysteries. Many of the heresies, the terrible false teachings that destroy faith in the history of the church have come when we have tried to explain mysteries that are just simply beyond our understanding. The second section of the chapter today is about the sons of Simeon. So we go from the fourthborn to now the secondborn. So we went from Judah to Simeon, and Simeon is kicked out. Well, not kicked out. Simeon is removed from the family blessing. His father Jacob passes over him because he was violent as a man. He struck down in the account of the defiling of Dinah, his sister. So Genesis 34, Simeon and Levi together, they, dad gets the men who defiled Dinah, so Shechem and his, all the men of the place, to circumcise themselves. That would be, become part of God's people. And they do it. I mean, imagine that for a moment. That would be intense to get an entire me- group of men to be willing to do that, to marry into your, your clan. And they do it. And then Simeon and Levi, while those men are recovering from those procedures, those surgeries, they go through and kill them all. So Simeon loses his family blessing because of that very thing. But his children, his descendants after him, continue on in such a violent pattern. And that's what you're going to see in the second paragraph about the sons of Simeon. 27 gives us Shimei having 22 children, most likely because he had more than one wife, although that's not actually mentioned. So I guess he could have had a wife who was simply fruitful from the time she was a teenager until the time when she was in her 40s, having a kid every year or two. Um, And the Lord cared for her and protected her body, but most likely more than one wife there. But again, the note that they didn't multiply like the men of Judah did. Judah being the one blessed to be the line of Christ. Beersheba is mentioned in verse 28. That's the southernmost city in Israel. Uh, as a nation, uh, Bethuel, Horma, and Ziklag, those are names that you'll see a little bit more prominently elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, Horma and Ziklag are cities. Bethuel is the uh, father of Laban in the book of Genesis, Laban and Rebekah. These were their cities until David reigned, so at that point they, they lost those cities. They keep a genealogical record, and that might be what the chronicler then has access to that he's able to put some of this together. Other than that, Holy Spirit giving him direct revelation to be able to write such things. Simeon will be one of the ones to break off of the northern kingdom. When So you have David, Solomon, and then Rehoboam. Uh, Rehoboam, fourth king over Israel, loses most of the kingdom. He gets to keep Judah and part of the tribe of Benjamin as his kingdom, whereas the rest of the tribes go north, forming Israel under the king Jeroboam. So Simeon's warlike tendencies continue in that, and that's what we're going to see here in this second part, that you get a little bit of their princes, their leaders among them. Uh, as they increased in size, they journeyed to the entrance of Gedor, which would be 10 miles southwest of Bethlehem, which means at that point you're in Judah's territory. You're no longer in Israel. They come there to look for pasture land for their flocks, and they find really good stuff. It had before belonged to the descendants of Ham, which is a reference to the son of Noah, um, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, so the Canaanites that lived in the promised land before. And then the Simeonites, in verse 41, come in and they destroy all the people that live there. They destroy their homes, they kill them, um, so that they can pasture their flock in that land. In the days of 
King Hezekiah of Judah, which puts this in the late 700s BC, like 720, 710, or the early 600s, 690, 680. Hezekiah reigned in that window for many years over Judah. After that, some of them go down to Mount Seir, which is Edom, south of the Salt Sea, where they defeat the Amalekites, and then they live there to that day. So, a lot of unknown in this chapter. We see the violence continue for Simeon's family tree, and we see the the blessing of many generations and a a multitude of, of descendants for Judah.